Good. Now, isn't it good to be saved? Let me talk to you about Joshua Baptist Church after three decades. Second Kings chapter number seven. Second Kings chapter number seven. And we're all just home folk tonight. And I thought it'd be a good time to just talk to you about Joshua Baptist Church after three decades, 30 years. Joshua Baptist Church. Giving you a while to find the text there. Second Kings chapter number seven. In verses 3 through 9. But as a little introduction to the text, I'm going to start reading in verse 24 of chapter number 6. And I know what you're thinking already. Preacher made a mistake about where we to turn. Nay, but in all things, nay. Watch this now. And it came to pass... It's verse 24 of chapter 6. After this, that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all of his host and went up and besieged Samaria. Samaria is the capital of the nation of Israel. The kingdom has been divided after Solomon's death. And it was divided into two kingdoms, two tribes to the south, whose headquarters and capital was Jerusalem. Ten tribes of Israel in Samaria, the northern kingdom, and Israel is their headquarters in Samaria. So Israel now has been besieged by King Ahab, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria. Now you see Syria a lot in the news today. The Bible said, and there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until an ass head was sold for four score pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of doves dung for five pieces of silver. Now you'd have to really be hungry. Let's go on. I didn't write it. I just read it. Famine inside the city because the city is besieged with the Syrians outside making it impossible for any Thing to come in such as water or food and they are besieged inside this wall city. The Bible said and as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall there cried a woman unto him saying help my lord O king. And he said if the Lord do not help thee Whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor, my paraphrase, that is empty. Out of the wine press with no grapes. And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. 
I'd say that was a desperate situation. So we boiled my son and did eat him. You get the picture? Times are bad. You say, I don't, I don't know. If I'd, have you ever been that hungry? Have you ever been hungry? We Americans do not understand the amount of people who go to bed tonight hungry. These folks, Israel, is in a dire situation. So bad, if you please, they are eating their own children. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her, on the next day, give thy son that we may eat him. And she hid her son. Verse 3 of chapter number 7. And there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians, the ones who have besieged the city, the armies of Syria that is capped around the city. They said, we can either sit here and die of starvation because the only way they had means of Substance was the people inside the city had to bring the lepers food outside the city because the lepers were unclean and not able to go inside the city. And so the lepers said, well, if we sit here, we'll die. If we go into the city, we'll die because there's nothing there to sustain us. I know what we'll do. Ha, we'll just walk into the camp of the Syrians. And they did. And said, uh, let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, then we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of the Syria... Behold, there was no man there. No man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of, the king, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Havites and kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore, they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled 
for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it. And came again and entered into another tent, carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, we knew not well. This day is a good day of tidings and we hold our peace. The whole city starving to death and we've got all of this bounty and we sit here silent about it while Israel mamas are eating their babies. We do not well to sit here with this good news. Get the picture? If we tarry here to morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called unto the porter of the city and told them, saying, We came into the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice or man but horses tied and asses tied and the tents as they were. And we called the porters and they told it to the king's house within. Let's pray together. Our Father, tonight I thank you so very much for the unspeakable pleasure it has been for these many years to be one of this church, a member, if you please, Blessed beyond all measure. Honored beyond all kind of mention. And so, Lord, I thank you tonight for this church. I thank you for the folks who are here tonight. I thank you for the folks that's not here. And I pray wherever they are that you'd bless them real good. But tonight, speak to our hearts tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The passage tonight deals with four leopards, four men with the dreaded disease, probably the most dreaded disease mentioned in all of the Word of God. Dreaded and dreadful, and yes, deadful disease. When you read of leprosy in the Old Testament and in the Bible, most generally it's a type of sin. And leprosy is kind of like sin, if you please. Leprosy, like sin, deforms us. Leprosy, like sin, disables us. Leprosy, like sin, degenerates us and deranges us. Too bad we do not fear sin as bad as we would fear a leprosy camp. Because the Bible said it is written that sin might become exceedingly sinful. And the reason we are where we are today is because sin is not exceedingly sinful. Sin is fun. Sin is enjoyable. Sin is enticing. Sin is alluring. And in any form, sin is degrading to us discouraging to others 
and dishonoring to God. Think about it, if you would, please. The lepers were outside the city, dependent upon relatives, if you please, to bring them food. But there was no food for them to bring. Here they sat, bodies deformed, odor beyond all imagination. Dreadful, if you please, to look upon. Segregated and separated from everybody of society. Should somebody come close by, they were commanded by the law to cry as loud as they could, unclean, unclean. So nobody would approach within distance that they might catch the dreaded disease. No food in the city. Certainly no food for the lepers. A dreadful, dreadful, ugly situation. They realized to do nothing was to sit there and die. Church member, are you dying? Are you just sitting, waiting for spiritual rigor mortis to set in? We're so busy passing out flowers, we ought to be passing out tracks. Notice, if we sit here, chapter, verse 3, if we sit here, we die. What are you doing? If we do the same thing that we've been doing, crying out unclean, and there's nothing in the city to come to bring to nourish us, if we sit here, we die. If we do what we've been doing, we'll die. I ask you tonight, their only hope, these fellows' only hope, listen now, their only hope, listen now, was to each one do something. They could have sat there and breathe God's free oxygen and enjoyed a temperature of 98.6 and die. So can you. Preacher, why don't you do it? I'm just sitting here. Church member, why do you do it? I'm just sitting here. This has been my seat. It even smells like me. I've been sitting here in it so long. Well, preacher, I'm here. So were they. To sit here and do nothing is to die. To sit here and wait on somebody else from inside the city to bring what we need is to die. Why don't we exercise some faith and get up and say, 
I'm going to do something. Even if it's wrong. You see, I just believe that the leprosy and the results were destroying these men. Didn't I say that leprosy was a type of sin in the Bible? The Bible said, He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is what? I didn't hear you. It's what? It's what? If you're doing nothing, what is it? Leprosy had deformed these lepers. It was noticeable. (laughs) You think your face is not noticeable? You know what sin will do? It'll eradicate the smile on your face because it'll eradicate the smile in your heart. And leprosy had deformed these four lepers. It had disfigured them, if you please. Oh, I can remember when the joy of the Lord was in this place. I can remember people actually shouting in this place. Oh, we didn't have all this finery then. In fact, we sat on slick folding chairs. We're so broke, we need a cosigner to pay cash. I was worrying about how we was going to pay the light bill and the $600 a month rent on the building that we were in. But oh, what a spirit we had in that place. Oh, what a joy we had when we all gathered and sang and sang so loud the chairs would vibrate. <laughs> you remember that? And the only special singing we had was me. These guys sit there at the gate of Samaria and leprosy ate them alive. As their bones began to rot, their skin began to fall off and members would fall from their arms and their shoulders. Leprosy had deformed, deranged, and made them the despite of the town. The same thing sin is doing to God's people. Now I kind of believe today that this had demoralized these men. Notice, if you would please, in verse 5 of your text, watch this. The Bible is very plain. I need to hurry. You say, why? Uh, I just tell by the look of your face. And they rose up. Watch this. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. You know what? If we get up and do something, God might meet us wherever we started doing something. 
For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots. Isn't it amazing what God can do when we put God to the test? Uh, you know what? If those four guys had been Baptists and members of our church, they'd just sat right there and said, I'm trusting God and I'm going to sit right here and die. Because God has not called me to teach a class. And God has not called me to work a bus route. And God has not called me to sing in a choir. I'm going to sit right here and grieve the Holy Spirit. I shall not be moved. Hello. You say you're talking to me? Well, if I'm in your front yard, you know the rest of that? I'm not yelling at your neighbor. You know what we're going to do? We're going to sit right here and enjoy the God's blessings and die. And like the sin of apathy and the sin of complacency and the sin of comfort deform us and derange us and change us into what everybody else is. Not as long as I can preach. Not as long as I can kick. Not as long as I can scratch. Not as long as I can yell. Not as long as I can walk. Not as long as I can preach. No, sir. We're not dying sitting here watching everybody else go to hell. You say, what are you going to do? I'm going to preach till you're so miserable you do something. You say, well, I'm going to get mad and leave. Boy, we got a bunch of doors and they all work. You say, you're crazy, but I'm having more fun than I've had in a day or two. Are you listening to me? I want to help you tonight, and I want to help our church tonight, and I believe I can do that, if you would please. Notice, in verse number six, you need to get this. God will help those who help themselves. Did you hear me? God will help those who's willing to help themselves. For the Lord had made a host of the Syrians to hear a great noise of chariots and noise of horses. There wasn't any chariots or horses. It just, God made it sound like it. Wasn't that something? If these guys had it just been Baptist, they'd have sat right there and died for the glory of God. You know, they'd have let little boys and girls come to Sunday school and they wouldn't have taught them because they didn't want to teach them. They'd have sat in the parking lot and watched our buses rot, right to the ground. And let every kid in town go to hell. Because they're not going to move. They're too refined to work with anybody else. I want to be taught. I want to be blessed. I don't want to be a blessing. I want to be blessed. And if you allow me to, I'll sing specials for you, but I'm not going to put forth the effort. 
and the time it takes to sing in the choir. Now how old stand in a Sunday school class and act like I care, but I'm not going to visit them little snotty old brats. We're just going to sit right here. We're just going to sit right here. Is anybody happy yet? I'm talking about Joshua Baptist Church. After three, after 30 years. Are you winning more today than you did 30 years ago? Are you being an impact in somebody's life more than you were 30 years ago? Has somebody impacted your life over these 30 years? I'm just going, they had a choice. They could sit there and die. Or they could get up and do something, even if it's wrong. Takes faith to walk into the Syrian camp and say, boys, here we are. Could I please help you now? I'd like to give you just uh, an idea. And please don't leave before I get through. There's one thing about these four guys. They were smart enough to realize their condition. Are you and I smart enough to realize where we are spiritually tonight? And where we are in our walk and our relationship with the Lord? Are we smart enough to realize if we continue like we are, where will we be in five years? Where will our homes be in five years? And where will our kids be in five years? You say, well, preacher, I don't know what to do. Won't just do something. Just do something. Now, three principles I want to give you, and I'm just going to go real fast because I somehow know that clock moves a lot faster. Those digital watches, you ever notice they go real fast? Then with hands on it, they just come to my office sometime and I'll show you five clocks, all of them have different times. I do not want to confuse anybody. I just don't know what time, I don't care what time it is. I'm just waiting for the rapture. Amen. Now watch you. I want to give you three things. After 30 years, after 30 years, I want to give you three things our church can do tonight and compare it with this story. Number one, our church can sit. Financially, your church is probably in a good shape as any church in America. When the banks begin to fail, you remember a few years ago? The banks begin to fail. Doors of the banks were being closed. And I told my wife, we're not going to be caught in that kind of trap. So I went to the bank and drew out $100,000 of your money in $100 bills. Uno, dos, trace. That's as far as I could count. And took $100,000 cash and put in the safe in two brown bags and taped them to the underneath of the shelf 
in the, in the safe. Because our church is not dependent upon a bank. The tape gave away <laughs> and $100,000 fell to the bottom of the safe. Jerry Carnegie came to me and said, Preacher, what's in them two bags? I said, $100,000. He said, my God. I could do that tonight, should I want. You don't have to tithe next week for the bills to get paid. They're already paid. We don't have to take a special offering to spend $10,000 on the parking lot down at the, little bit, down at the old church building. We did that last week and the check's been written. But spiritually, our church is dead. Caring about everybody else, our church is dead. We sit outside the gate, deranged and deformed by our sin, our sin of apathy, our sin of complacency. It starts from the top down. Did you know we can sit right here and play the same game till Jesus comes and be embarrassed when he comes because our fruit is no longer falling from the tree of life. You say, you're crazy. How many did you bring church today? How many did you invite last week? How many tears did we shed this week for those who are lost? Oh, we got a good church. No, no. We got a complacent church. We got a comfortable church. You notice I said we, I didn't say you. You know what we can do? We can sit right here like those four lepers and teach our class and never make a visit. Play like we care about people. Pray like we care about people. But we'll sit right here and die for a lack of concern for people in God's glory. I guess I'm so happy that God gave us the ability to change things, especially us. Amen. God sees our dry eye. God sees us with our attitude of doing nothing. God sees as we imitate the wicked and slothful servant who hid what God gave him in the earth for fear 
of embarrassment and loss. Does anybody remember those things? You say, preacher, I'm getting mad. I can't believe that. It's easy to become a liability and not an asset. It's easy to lose our power for God and our praise to God. It's easy to let Brother Sean sing specials and camouflage it like it was a congregational special. Did you hear our song service tonight? You should have been able to. Most of us wasn't singing. We could have heard it. Let's go on now because I just, I just think maybe some of us got comfortable and we're sitting. I look back at reports, 40 and 50 out soul winning. 40 and 50 out soul winning. Did you hear me? That's what we used to do. We didn't used to be so busy that we didn't have time to go visiting. Now, I guess we could just sit, but we're going to be the most uncomfortable sitting bunch of folks you've ever seen as long as I'm alive. God didn't give us this for it to put hay in in case we run out of hay this winter for our cows. God gave us this to put people in it. Can you say amen? Uh, God gave us this to walk in as a place of worship, not a funeral service. Uh, God gave us this to rejoice in and praise his holy name. Can you say amen? Uh, You say, well, preacher, uh, I need to loosen up a little. That's what I'm trying to do is get you loose. Now, we can do one thing. We can sit. Or number two, we can straddle. We can straddle the fence. We can change our program to get a crowd. (laughs) We can change our music to get a crowd. We can change our emphasis and get a crowd. Uh, We could compromise and get a crowd. We can do that. I know how to do it. Yeah. Some of you say, well, I'm not going along for that. What are you going to go along with? Sitting, retiring, giving up, giving out. <laughs> Can anybody say amen? Come on. Come on now, say amen. Some of you, you look like, you say, well, preacher, if a bulldog was a hold of my pant leg, I wouldn't be saying sick him. Hmm? We could straddle. We could sit. Yes, sir. Partially surrendered to Christ. Yeah. Christianity in spirit, secular in practice. We could do that, couldn't we? We could be spiritual in the spirit and secular in our practice. You know, I just wonder where this came from. I'm going to take a vacation from church this week. 
Now, many of you don't remember the storefront. And we wanted folk to take a vacation down there because it was packed, couldn't get them all in. Then we moved in another building down there and the spirit changed a little bit in the building. It took a while to get the spirit back and get the enthusiasm back and get the rejoicing back. Some of you folk remember that. We used to meet and actually have fun at church. <laughs> we used to come to church and enjoy it. Everybody left a wristwatch out in the parking lot. Now we got watches that'll talk to you. Amen. Why they call him? What are you trying to get me to do on yours? Walkie talk. Would you tell me why you need a walkie talk if you got a phone? Why do you need a walkie talk if you got a phone? I guess because the same reason you need a text. And twerpy and Twitter and everything else. But I mean, I can remember when we actually came to church and had a ball. Yeah, I mean, just had a regular ball. You know, I remember the first night that Miss Sharp walked into our church. There's a morning service. Sit on the back row. Sure did. Sit between two of the ugliest men you've ever seen in all your life. And Mrs. Sharp was so delicate and so, so well-dressed in our storefront down there, sitting on a slick, slick, I'm talking about super slick folding chair. Brother Lanny's cohorts from Mexico would clean our church building and they would armor all <laughs> the metal chairs. I mean, you could hit them things. <laughs> We could sit out on the back row and end up in the altar, buddy, just like that. Remember that, Lanny? <laughs> Mrs. Sharp, such a lady, sat out on one of them slate chairs. And sitting on one side was Big Jim. I don't know if you remember him or not. Sitting on the other side was Little Jim. I don't remember who that was, but he sat over there. And I started preaching and folks started yelling and screaming, I said, that lady will never, never come back to this place again. <laughs> she hadn't hardly missed a lick in all these 30 years. Because when we met, we had fun. We rejoiced in the Lord. We didn't have all the finery but we had a closer walk with thee. We didn't have all the beautiful stuff that impresses folks. In fact, we just had the Bible and preaching. And folk just shouted and had a great time and rejoiced in the Lord. Couldn't wait till the next time we come back. And 30 years down the road, here we sit. Amongst a spiritual famine. Lifeless. Pointless. Miserable. 
I guess we could sit here and die. Or we could do something. We could do something. We could join the choir. We could help in a Sunday school class. We could take a bus route. Or we can just sit here and die. Or we can straddle a fence and compromise and get us a praise team. Change our music. Change our motives. Change our methods. And at least look like we're alive. Or we could stand. On this rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. You want to die? If you don't, then do something. Quit making excuses. Quit saying, not me. Do something. And let me, let me let you in on something. You ready? God's not going to do anything until you do. You say, dear God, fix my home. Won't you start by you fixing your part? God, fix our church. Why don't you do your part? Love some of them little kids. Nobody else does. Who knows? There might be a James Scott out there. And then you come by and hug his neck and love him. I was sitting back in the back this morning acting like I was drinking coffee. The only thing that tastes worse than coffee to me was beer. I thank God I got saved. Give me an excuse. Quit drinking that horrible tasting stuff. I was sitting back there and Blake walked in said, Preacher, can I sit by you? I said, Sure, Blake, nobody else will. And Blake sat down by me. And Blake said, Preacher, could I ride the skags more with you this this year? I said, No, but Brother Jim don't mind riding with you. <laughs> and I said, By the way, we've got two. Brian would let you ride with him on, on his skags. Really, preacher? I said, sure, those guys, they're such good Christians, they don't care. They just go all the way. And I sat there for the longest. Now, there's a lot of people I'd rather talk to. But there's nobody in this church that I need to talk to any more than Blake. Because I want Blake to know that I love him. 
Well, I could sit there and act professional and like I'm the big wheel in the spoke and die. Or I can stand up and do what God wants me to do. Now that's my opinion of your church after 30 years. Some of you Johnny-come-latelys, you need to get in the battle. It's okay to suck up all the blessings. But won't you be a blessing to the next generation? Won't you help that next crowd? Who knows? You may influence a Randy Ashcraft. who was in our first youth department. God knows that was a long time ago. Look how old that guy looks. That's five languages ago, right, Randy? (laughs) And several hundred thousand dollars. You might encourage another Garrett. But you'll not be able to do anything for God's glory sitting here dying. So you can either sit, straddle, or stand for the glory of God. Those what them leopards said, we do not well sitting here with the world dying and going to hell. And we've got what the world needs. Do we have what the world needs? Then let's get up. Let's do our part. And watch God begin to do his part. Amen. And amen. And amen. Now if you met at me tonight, I met with Jim and Brother Brian before I came out here. And they gave me this outline. And they said it was God-inspired, so I'm going to trust them with that deal. And all of God's people said, you know what we ought to say? Guilty. And all of God's people ought to say, guilty. I'm guilty. I have been a better soul winner than I am tonight. I've wept more tears and I weep tonight. And I become one of those sitting right here letting our church die on the vine. But I'm not going to sit any longer. No, sir. I'm going to preach, scream, yell, spit. I might even cuss to get this thing on the tracks for the God of them I love. Amen. Amen. You say, you're going to make me miserable, then tighten your seatbelt because we're not going to sit here and let Joshua die and go to hell because we're comfortable and got money in the bank 
and brag about supporting a hundred missionaries each month while our next door neighbors die and go to hell. We're not going to do that. And all of God's people said, don't you wish that other crowd was here tonight? That's the crowd I was preaching to. Now you, to, you take the message and tell them what I said, all right? 